and uh, verse number 12. I, every once in a while, have the strangest sermon. I don't know where this came from. I can't tell you why I'm going to preach it. But it's just something the Lord laid on my heart. Uh, I think there's two ways to preach. You can build a case and come up with a conclusion. Or you can come out with a statement and then prove it. So I thought for sake of time tonight, I would make a statement and get get the main uh, the thought of the sermon tonight. And then we'll, we'll take uh, and, and prove it. Instead of trying to guess what the end result would be, there's, uh, I think there's uh, different kinds of reasoning. There's didactive and some other, I don't know, but I'm not going to confuse you with, because I don't remember them. But, uh, oh, inductive and, what's the other one? Deductive. Deductive, exactly. So I think we're going to do one of, the, one of those. <laughs> inductive. What's the one where you come out with the statement first? That's the one we're doing. All right. All right, Acts chapter 24. Let's go to verse number 12, and then we're going to read this verse and pray. And I want you to pretend for a minute that you are in bad, bad trouble, and the world is all wound up around you, and you didn't do anything wrong, and you're uh, having to go to court, and you got to do something about it because the only thing you can do now is, is trust in the legal system. And that's tough right now. That a lot of people are having that problem. Look at verse 12. Paul, of course, in uh, chapter number, uh, Acts 24 and 12. Uh, hold on a minute. Um, that's not the verse I wanted. Um, okay, yeah, sorry, it's 25. Chapter 25, verse 12. Paul is, uh, he is in legal hot water, but he has not done anything wrong, and now he has to appeal to Caesar. That's his only hope now. It's like the Supreme Court, but instead it's just one man. So let's look at verse 12, and then we'll pray. Then Festus, when he had conferred with the council, answered, Hast thou appealed unto Caesar? He's talking to Paul. Hast thou appealed unto Caesar? Unto Caesar shalt thou go. That was a very, very fearful thing. Because Caesar could look at someone and have them killed on the spot. And it was no laughing matter. It was no light matter that somebody would appeal to Caesar. But Paul said, I appeal to Caesar. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, help us to appeal to you. And I pray, Lord, that when all things seemingly are not going our way, uh, Lord, help us to understand fully that we have someone higher than Caesar. We have someone higher than the Supreme Court, and we have someone higher than, the, than mankind to appeal to. Uh, we pray to you, Heavenly Father, tonight. We ask, God, that you would show our church and our families how wonderful and strong and powerful you are for your own children. We pray, we beg, 
Uh, Lord, we, we, we brag about you all the time. We are telling everybody that we know how wonderful you are. We, we, we uh, cite the track record that you have with our lives. Uh, Lord, we've been bragging on you and we've been publishing you and we've been proclaiming everything about you for so long and we've been telling everybody how wonderful you are. And God, sometimes we just need to see something <clears throat> that you would do for us. And we pray tonight that you would heal all of our church members that are feeling bad. And we pray for those that are in hot water because the, the society that we live in wants to dictate the very medicine that we take. And Lord, we pray that you would help us to be free people. Uh, we appeal to you, Lord. We appeal to you because we have no one else that is on our side. Sometimes we just don't understand how you work. But tonight we pray uh, on behalf of our whole, uh, whole town and all of our nation, our families, we appeal to you, Lord. In Jesus' name we ask it. Amen. Amen. So he appealed to Caesar because it was his last chance. If he did not appeal to Caesar, he was going to be murdered because Festus and Felix and Agrippa and the Jews were all together as a team. They were corrupt. They were uh, against Paul. The Jews had so much power over the Roman government and the Roman government had so much power over the Jews. They, they had, the Jews had uh, the government wrapped around their fingers in, in some ways because if they, had, <clears throat> if they caused a, a big ruckus, the people that were governing their Judea and Samaria and Jerusalem and all, they, they would look bad in the uh, eyes of Rome and Caesar and the Senate. So they would lose their prestige and power and they would be um, just moved around. It was nothing for Rome to take somebody like Herod and Pilate and all those uh, governors uh, at this particular time you have Felix and you have Festus and they all have fancy wives and uh, their pomp and circumstance when they come in uh, you'll see that if you read chapter 23 24 25 you'll see that these people were very very um, majestic and oh he, here comes the the honorable Agrippa and he's gonna and so Agrippa and uh, Felix and Festus they all, uh, they're, they're looking at Paul. They don't know what to do with him. They realize that he was a good man. And then, but yet they have this law that they have to uh, inflict upon him. And because he was a rebel rouser, which actually it wasn't his fault, when he was in Jerusalem, he was preaching. And all he did was say that he believed in the resurrection. And of course, they knew that he was, a Pharisee getting ready to look to the office of high priest. But God saved him. And then he came back and preached the, preached the fire out of the Jerusalem. And all the people, they started uh, stirring up. And they, the Jews hated what Paul was doing. Paul was preaching. And people were getting saved. And people were getting healed. And different things were happening around the city. So they wanted to kill him. They wanted to get rid of him because it... It, it, it threatened the status quo. It, it threatened. By the way, I think there's some corrupted politicians today that if you interrupted their life and stirred things up, they might do the same thing. In fact, I think if Jesus came to this earth and 
and, and walked the, the halls and the streets and if he was to visit our nation again in bodily form uh, like he was, you know, I think they'd want to kill him again. They wanted to kill him the first time. They wanted to kill Paul. They wanted to kill James and they wanted to kill Peter. Everybody, they just wanted to kill him. I think I don't think the Lord, if he, if he came back again, which he will not in that way, he's going to come a different way. He won't be walking the streets and having meetings and healing people anymore. That's done. But if he did, uh, they would they would try to kill him once more. They would they would go after him. I promise you. I promise you on the Bible they would kill. Him, they would try to kill him again. Here's Paul, and they want to kill him. And uh, so he was kept for two years in Caesarea. That was a seacoast town. So let's go back just for a minute. And uh, let's go uh, to chapter 24, and uh, let's just think for a minute what you'd do if you were in this kind of hot water, which was not your fault. In verse number 1 of chapter 24, uh, we have uh, the Apostle Paul uh, before Felix. Now, Felix was a governor. And after five days, Ananias, the high priest, that's the Jew, descended. That means he came down from Jerusalem. With the elders and with a certain orator named Tertullus, who informed the governor against Paul. So what did they do? They got a orator and uh, they came before Felix to accuse the apostle Paul. Verse number two says, and when he was called forth, Tertullus began to accuse him, saying, seeing that by thee, he was... Uh, you know, kind of stroking the guy's back there and scratching his back a little bit. He said, seeing that by thee we enjoy great quietness and that every uh, worthy deeds, uh, very worthy deeds are done unto this nation by thy providence. You say, I want to throw up right about now. The guy <laughs> is just an idiot. And he's, oh, we have great peace and you've done so much for us. Okay, so you can see what's going on, right? Verse 3, we accepted always and in all places most noble Felix with all thankfulness, notwithstanding that I be not further tedious unto thee. Oh, this is just too much. I pray thee that thou wouldest hear us of thy clemency a few words. For we have found this man a pestilent fellow and a mover of sedition, uh, so he's accusing him of pestilence and sedition among all the Jews throughout the world. Well, praise God for that. And a ringleader, he calls him a ringleader of the sect of the Nazarenes. That word sect has a connotation of what people call us sometimes. It's a cult, uh, these, these strange uh, Bible thumpers and stuff like that. The attitude here is atrocious and it's all false. It's verse number six. It says, who also hath gone about to profane the temple. He did not profane the temple. Uh, whom, we, whom we took and would have judged according to our law, but the chief captain Lysias came upon us and with great violence took him away out of our hands. That was the uh, providence of God right there. God took him out of their hands. God told him, I've got a job for you to do. I'm going to send you to the Gentiles. 
I have something wonderful for you. And now, unfortunately, Paul was in all this hot water. So it's no fault of his own. Paul was doing what God wanted him to do. He was very faithful, but he had to defend himself in front of the governor. Now, I wish, I wish I could talk to our governor. I, I'm not going to go do something that's worthy of uh, getting in trouble, but I, he wouldn't want to talk to any of us. God set this up. And if God ever gets uh, uh, somebody to talk to our governor or our president, it's going to be God that orchestrates the meeting because you can't, you can't even go to the Capitol now. I guess they got fences around it again. You can't go. If, 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 if you go to the uh, state Capitol in Olympia, you can't, you can't just walk around anymore. They got guards everywhere and they're all scared of Christians and conservatives and people that are patriots. If you're a patriot in America now, you, you know, you're looked at as quite an enemy. Uh, think about that. You know, I, I, love, I love our flag and what it stands for. Um, I, I love the flag and what it stands for, even though there's some people that hate it. I still know what that stands for. <clears throat> I still thank the Lord and I took the oath when I went into the military and I, I, I didn't, just because I got out of the military doesn't mean that the oath is done too. Not like John Kerry who threw his medals over a fence. That, that guy is trouble. But I still, I still am an, uh, a patriot. But now uh, a patriot in nowadays is not looked at like it was. Let's go to um, Acts chapter 26. What happened with Paul, he stood before Festus in Caesarea. He was there for two years. Festus, a different uh, governor, he let Paul stay in prison for two years. He said, well, I'll come and talk to you when I have a convenient time. Let's go to Acts 26 verse 16. We're, of course, skipping quite a lot here, but I want you to see this. In verse number 16, it says, uh, there it is, okay. It says, Jesus was speaking to the, uh, the apostle Paul, and he said, But rise and stand upon thy feet, for I have appeared unto thee for this purpose, to make thee a minister and a witness both of these things which thou hast seen and of those things which I will appear unto thee delivering thee from the people and from the Gentiles unto whom I now, I now I send thee to open their eyes and to turn them from darkness to light and from the power of Satan unto God that they may receive forgiveness of sins, inheritance among them which are sanctified by faith that is in me. Whereupon, O King Agrippa, Paul said, I was not disobedient to the heavenly vision but showed first unto them of Damascus and at Jerusalem and throughout all the coasts of Judea and them to the Gentiles that they should repent and turn to God and do works meet for repentance. For these causes the Jews caught me in the temple and went about to kill me. Having therefore obtained help of God, I continue unto this day witnessing both to small and great, saying none other things than those which Moses or the prophets and Moses <clears throat> did say should come. 
that Christ should suffer and that he should be the first that should rise from the dead and should show light unto the people and to the Gentiles. And as he thus spake for himself, Festus said with a loud voice, Paul, thou art beside thyself. Much learning doth make thee mad. But he said, I'm not mad, most noble Festus, but speak forth the words of truth and soberness. For the king knoweth of these things, before whom also I speak freely. For I am persuaded that none of these things are hidden from him. For this thing was not done in a corner. King Agrippa, believest thou the prophets? I know thou believest. And look at this, folks, verse number 28. Then Agrippa said to Paul, Almost thou persuadest me to be a Christian. Isn't that a sad testimony of a king that said that? He almost got saved. He almost went to heaven. That's too bad. Now what's Paul going to do now? What's, he up, what, what's, what's left for him? Well, the, the problem was that they wanted to kill him. The Jews wanted to kill him and Festus wanted to uh, do the Jews a favor by taking Paul and getting rid of him. Look at verse tw uh, 30 now. Verse 30 says, And when he had thus spoken, the king rose up and the governor and Bernice and they that sat with them. And when they were gone aside, they talked between themselves, saying, This man doeth nothing worthy of death or of bonds. Then Agrippa uh, uh, said Agrippa to Festus, This man might have been set at liberty if he had not appealed unto Caesar. So what they wanted to do is they wanted to make an example of the Apostle Paul, but he, he appealed unto Caesar. And so now he's going to get his chance to go. So in the Bible, you have this journey that Paul took. He was two years in Caesarea in the jail. And then after that, he appealed to Caesar, and then they sent him on this big journey by ship, a ship. They had to go to Cyprus and different places, uh, and now you have this big journey, and if you, it, it's so exciting to read the last few chapters of the book of Acts. But Paul's long voyage by ship was in, uh, interrupted by a great big storm, uh, Eurachlodon, in verse uh, twenty or fourteen of chapter twenty-seven, um, <clears throat> but God had a plan. I want you to see uh, verse twenty-three of chapter twenty-seven. The, God begins to show this plan. Now watch what Paul says in verse twenty-three. He says, "For there stood by me this night." This is after the storm hit them. <clears throat> there stood by, by me this night the angel of God, whose I am. And whom I serve, saying, Fear not, Paul, thou must be brought before Caesar, and lo, God hath given thee all them that sail with thee. Do you see the plan of God in the Apostle Paul's life? Can you see how he, uh, he protected him? He preserved him? He, he made everything uh, just work out for the Apostle Paul? It was difficult, it was scary, it was fearful. My goodness, he didn't know what was going to happen. See, that's what you and I need to do today. We need to appeal to the Lord. We need to say, God, I don't understand it, 
I can't figure it out. And the Lord, in his gentle way, would say, that's right. You don't know what I'm doing. It's okay. See, if I don't know what's going on, I know who's making it happen. We know who's taking care of our country. We know what God uh, has said in the Bible. We know that he's going to take care of us. I don't know how, uh, but, but as I look at the world, if, if I look too closely, I get upset. I get, how many of you in the last two years have gotten downright angry? I have. I've gotten angry at what's going on. I've got anybody here have you have you been disgusted? Have you been frustrated? I have. I, I feel like I can do nothing about what's going on to our country. However, that's that's the flesh part of me. The spiritual side of me says, "Well, oh, I'm excited about this. God's got something he's going to do." And I'm in, I'm on the right side. I'm under the waterfall. Now, I'm going to give you an illustration again. I love this illustration, so I'm going to tell it to myself. <laughs> Somebody said they had an art contest, and there was a big prize for the person that could paint a picture of peace. And the picture was uh, of peace in some eyes was a beautiful um, a sunset on an on a ocean. And some said uh, there was a beautiful forest and some mountains and desert and flowers and peace. Yeah, they tried to portray what peace was. And so one artist painted this thundering, crashing waterfall, thundering down a cliff with the spray coming up and the, the, just the mist and everything, the thunder. And it, was, it, it won. It won the art contest about peace. And so somebody said, I don't, I don't see that this waterfall would be peaceful. And the artist said, well, I'll show you something in this painting. If you'll look real closely, behind the waterfall, there was a nest and there was birds in the nest. Underneath the waterfall, back in, in the cracks of the safety of the rocks. It's not the waterfall that's peaceful. It's, it's the birds in the nest behind the waterfall. That's what's going on in our country. That's what's going on in our lives. The world is crashing. But way back tucked into the rocks, you and I have this nest of peace. It's the Lord. Amen. I'm not worried about it. So the spiritual side of me is over here saying, I know God's going to take care of my family. He's got us in his hand. There's nothing better than to be in the hand of God. <clears throat> if God be for us, who could be against us? Is that right? Casting all your care upon him for he careth for you. But I don't understand it because it's loud. It's fearful. It's frustrating. It's maddening. It's angering. It's just out of this world insane. I can't do a thing about it. Except, deep down in our hearts, we can huddle in the Lord. That's what Paul did. He had to appeal to Caesar, because that's just a, that was his last step. But I tell you, there was something else he did 
that, that uh, he didn't care what Caesar said. In fact, when he finally went to the emperor of Rome, the emperor, uh, uh, years later, killed him. Let's go to uh, 2 Timothy real quick. So it didn't matter what Caesar was going to say. It just mattered what was going on in Paul's heart. And by the way, the apostle Paul, in his first imprisonment in Rome, after the, uh, after the big storm, he got to spend two years in Rome, and he got to preach, <clears throat> he got to write books, and he got to have friends over to his house. It was house arrest. It wasn't like this, like this prison imprisonment. Look at chapter 4. So he's talking to his son Timothy in the faith. <clears throat> he says, I charge thee therefore before God and the Lord Jesus Christ who shall judge the quick and the dead at his appearing in his kingdom. Preach the word. Be instant, in season, out of season. Reprove, rebuke, exhort with all longsuffering and doctrine. For the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine. But after their own lust shall they heap to themselves teachers having itching ears. And they shall turn away their ears from the truth. How many say that's what's happening right now? In a different way. Every, you know, all down through the centuries there's been people turning away from truth. But today, my friend, it is unbelievable how people are turning away from truth. So that, <clears throat> that, that is normal. That's going to happen. And shall be turned unto fables. But watch thou in all things. Endure afflictions. Do the work of an evangelist. Make full proof of thy ministry. For I am now ready to be offered. And the time of my departure is at hand. I have fought a good fight. I have finished my course. I have kept the faith. You see what Paul was saying? He never talked like this ever, ever in the Bible. This is the, this is the only time he ever talked like this when he said, I'm done. I'm finished. It's over. I'm ready to be offered. And now I'm waiting on my crown. That's what he was saying in, in, in not so many words. He said, henceforth, look at verse 8. Henceforth, uh, uh, there is laid up for me. So there's some, there was a crown waiting for him. Hallelujah. A crown of righteousness which the Lord, the righteous judge, shall give me at that day. And not to me only, but unto all them also that love is appearing. So he was saying, I'm done. My ministry's over. I'm ready to go. I did good. Uh, I got a crown waiting for me. I'm happy about it. Don't worry about me. Everything's going to be great. Uh, God, uh, when, whenever that happens, I'm ready to be offered. It's just, it's just it's, I'm ready to go. Nobody, he never talked like that in any of the other books. He always said, pray that I'll be delivered from unreasonable men. I've got to go and talk to Caesar. I've got to lay my case, case before Caesar. And you know, he did. But this time he died. And it is uh, <clears throat> very evident in the rest of chapter 4 that he was making preparations for his departure. So, I want to ask you, who do you appeal to? Well, we can appeal to Caesar. We, we do have a law in, a, in America. By the way, did you know where we got most of our laws? We got our whole entire legal system, a lot of it from Rome, from the Roman uh, legal system. A lot of that is coming from 
Rome, Roman uh, law. And it was very good. And by the way, uh, the Apostle Paul was a, a, a just a normal, regular citizen, just like you and I. Um, and so he had rights and uh, privileges of citizenship. And that's why he could appeal to Caesar. <clears throat> so we want to thank God that the, that the system was there. But you can't count on it. <laughs> by the way, you know there's a lot of injustice going on in America right now. Some people are getting fired and some hired and some they don't even have to follow the laws that everybody, you're going to do what I say. Oh, but what about your staff? Oh, don't you worry about them. We got them taken care of. Hey, you better wear a mask. Okay, let's have a party and we're going to have a big party. Oh, by the way, they're doing it. They're doing it. And they're telling you that you got to act a certain way and then they're not doing it. You know what? Let me tell you something. Uh, when was it? Uh, when did J Jason took us to a, a baseball game, the Mariners? There's 30,000 people in the stands. This was before the big outbreak of what they call Delta, the, the variants or whatever. So we were getting through it. Everybody was happy. Nobody was required to wear masks. There were many there that wanted to, which is fine. But all these fans came into the Mariner baseball stadium and the place filled up. And we were hollering and having a great time. And you know, that night the Mariners won, which that's, that's rare, but they won. And then uh, you, you didn't hear anything about people saying, oh, that's a super spreader. Everybody's gonna die. You know, Seattle didn't have an outbreak. There were 30,000 people in the stands that night. And it's really quiet. But you, you, let, you let somebody uh, go to work, or ha you know, it, it, it's not equitable, it's not even, it's not equal. You let, you let a conservative state, like some of the conservative states we have, oh, they're terrible, they're, they're going to be super spreaders, oh, that DeSantis in Florida, oh, he's such an animal. And, uh, but there's, there's that going on in our country. Um, how many understand that's just a waterfall? Amen. Crash, crash, thunder, thunder. I don't care. I'm, I'm huddled over here with the Lord. Amen. Lord, get us out of here. Uh, I'm going to fly away. The Bible says we fly away. Right? Amen. I'll fly away, oh glory. The, the church age, the plan I told you about, is found in Romans 8. Let's go there quick because we're running out of time. <clears throat> if you'd listen faster, I would uh, finish earlier. All right, Romans chapter 8. I want you to <clears throat> remember this verse, try to memorize it, because for you and me, we, uh, we do have the waterfall, and that's, too, that's just too bad. I mean, you get inside of that waterfall, you're going to get crushed. You're not going to stop the waterfall. Right? Can't do it. Uh, look at verse 28. And we know that all things work together for good to them that love God. You have to ask yourself, do you love God? Of course you do. To them <clears throat> who are the called according to his purpose. 
For whom he did foreknow, he also did predestinate to be conformed to the image of his son, that he might be the firstborn among many brethren. Let me explain that to you. God knows who's going to receive him as their personal savior. He can see the future. So he planned that everybody that would receive him as their savior, they would be conformed to his son. They would become more like Jesus. They would take on his, his attitudes, his belief, his love, and he would, he would be a Christian. That's what that means. He foreknew, and then he predestinated us so that whoever receives Christ as their Savior gets into this new plan for their life, and they become more and more and more like the Lord. That's the predestination. That's the foreknowledge and the predestination of God. He knew me before I got saved. He knew what I was going to do, but I as a teenager, received Christ as my Savior. And because I did that, he then put me on a different path. He grabbed a hold of me. He brought me out of the waterfall and put me in the nest of his love and his concern and his will for my life. That's what he's doing. Now, we're not stuck behind the waterfall in a rock. I hope you understand that was just an illustration of peace. In your heart, you can have peace. You can have peace every day. So we have laws. We have Congress. We have all the mistakes that people are making. We have uh, things happening in America that never happened before. But Romans 28, uh, Romans 8, 28, still in the Bible. Still in the Bible. You know, we wrestle not against flesh and blood. We wrestle against principalities. Um, but in Christ, there's fullness. See, I appeal to the Lord. I hope you understand. We should not put all of our trust and all of our hopes and dreams in the system of man's judicial system. It's not righteous. It's not fair. It's not just and equal. We, we have a constitution that instills that in our country, but it's not being followed. So what do we do? What do we do? Well, I'm certainly not going to take up arms. Uh, I don't think that's necessary yet. I'm not a rebel. I'm not a, I, I'm not a militia guy. But we, our country was started that way. And they had to do it. I hope it doesn't get to that point. I don't think it will. But I don't know. So I'm not trusting in my, uh, my, my own ingenuity. I'm not trusting in... Any, any weapons, I'm not trusting in, uh, uh, we, the weapons of our warfare are not carnal. They're mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds. We're, we're in this with principalities and power. You know, Paul, he didn't, he didn't put on boxing gloves and go fight people. I mean, Peter did take a sword, but God healed, his, healed Malchus's ear, right? So he's saying, no, no, Peter, that's not the way to do this. Uh, but but Paul said, I got a bigger fight. This is this fight that I'm fighting. This is a good fight. This isn't something in the flesh. And so we we as Christians, we should, we should be very careful how we battle this. So I I'd say this: we should appeal to our Lord. 
We should appeal to God. He, he is the appellate judge. He's the one that when people are arguing, God sets the stage. He, he can be appealed to. I've appealed to the Lord many times. Do you know in Jeremiah 33, 3, it says, Call unto me, and I will answer thee, and show thee great and mighty things which thou knowest not. We should appeal to the Lord. Um, Nehemiah, when he was about to build the wall again, he said, and I prayed to the God of heaven. And then another, another uh, 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 discouraging thing came. They tried to stop him from building the wall. And again, I prayed to the God of heaven. I went and looked at the, uh, the destruction of, of Jerusalem and I saw the gates were burned and the walls were broken down and I wept and I, and I prayed to the God of heaven. That's what, that's what we need to do. I, wanna, I, I appeal to you and I appeal to myself. I appeal to us that we would appeal to God. Because when people aren't getting what, what they need and the judge, uh, there's lots of crazy judges in, in America. There's absolutely boneheaded fools that are getting paid hundreds and hundreds of thousands of dollars in sitting on benches making the dumbest decisions that you ever heard of in your life. So we, we can't trust in the system of man, but we can appeal to God. Our appeals are to God, the almighty God, the omnipotent, omniscient God. Uh, let's go here and we're going to finish up tonight. Colossians chapter 1, please. And I hope tonight that whether it's physical, maybe you need to appeal to the Lord physically for someone that's uh, not feeling well. Uh, we have sickness that has gone around our church. And, um, you know, the, the devil would love to try to cause trouble and uh, just stir up blame or whatever. But... Um, you know, the, this invisible sickness that we fight, there's, there's no answer to it other than God. You may, remember the plague that the Israelites had in the serpent in the wilderness? Do you remember it was, they were, had fiery snakes? Uh, they were coming around the people and they were biting people and they were dying. Um, and what Moses said to them, God told me to lift up this serpent in the wilderness and he says, anybody that would look to the serpent on the pole would be healed. Now, I don't understand why it was a serpent. I don't understand it was on a pole until we come to the New Testament and see Jesus lifted up. And Jesus himself explained what Moses did. He says, and if I, if I be lifted up, I will draw all men unto me as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness even so much must the Son of Man be lifted up. And if I'm lifted up, I will draw all men unto me. You know who's, you know who's going to take care of America is Jesus. Amen. And you don't hear that on television, do you? When's the last time you heard the name Jesus mentioned in any kind of media? When's the last time some uh, uh, politician said, Hey, you know what? We need Jesus. <laughs> that doesn't happen. Uh, I was I was watching an interview of, of President Reagan, Ronald Reagan, back in 1980, 
And they were saying, uh, what about this separation of church and state? And they were trying to separate America from God. And, and Ronald Reagan, he was asked, well, how do you feel about them uh, stopping prayer in the Senate or wherever in the Congress? And he said, can you show me where in the, um, the, the, uh, the First Amendment, where if the Congress thinks that they can do a better job of having prayer in the morning, that that's prohibited by the First Amendment? Can anybody show me why that, how that's prohibited? It's not prohibited. It's not, it's not separation away from God. And it's separation from uh, government running our lives uh, spiritually. They can't, they can't do that. So I'll tell you this. We need to appeal to the Lord. Look at Colossians chapter number 1, verse number 16. And we're going to finish up here. It says, For by him were all things created, Jesus, that are in heaven and that are in earth, visible and invisible, whether they be thrones or dominions or principalities or powers, all things were created by him and for him. And he is before all things, and by him all things consist. And he is the head of the body, the church, who is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that all things, in all things he might have the preeminence. And lastly, for it pleased the Father that in him should all fullness dwell. So I'm appealing to the Lord for our church, for our families, for you, everyone. I'm, I'm appealing to God because Caesar is drunk. Caesar is unbelieving. Caesar is corrupt. Caesar is doesn't have any clue what to do with us but God does so yes yeah I can understand that the world doesn't know what to do about the COVID crisis or the next one that comes or the next one after that they don't know what to do but God does and you know what we can appeal to him and it's not just sickness there's, there's more coming down. By the way, as America gets closer and closer to the coming of Jesus, the Lord Jesus said there'll be wars and rumors of wars and there'll be all kinds of things happening. But, but don't fear and don't, don't lose your hope. Trust in God. The time is not yet. You'll know when it's time because we won't even be here anymore. Jesus is coming back. And I appeal to him. I appeal to him for you tonight. So tonight, let's, let's not put our trust in Caesar because he's, he's busy. He's busy doing something else that's really sinful. But Jesus Christ, he can hear us. And he's with you tonight and he's with you every day. Let's pray and let's ask God and let's appeal to our Savior. Let's bow our heads for prayer.